Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. having a great day. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Scott Kirshner. 419-794-3030 is the number. Once again, that's 419-794-3030. Online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. My name is Chris Swan. On today's show, how to turn this crazy market into an opportunity. We've got some ideas on how to get involved in cryptocurrency and traps to watch out for the dangers of getting your financial news from social media and more. But first, before we check in with the guys, before we jump into the show, you know, often on the show, we'll have guests, you know, Chaz Price has been on the show pretty often. Jeremy Baker has been on a few times. And I always preface that by saying no relation to Nolan Baker, but our guest today, very much a relation to Nolan Baker, Andrew Baker, who just finished up his first year of college and has been working at the firm for the past three years. So uh, guys, all of you, Nolan, Scott, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? We're doing great. It's actually Andrew's birthday today, too. Oh, so happy birthday. Not only uh, birthday, but making his uh, radio debut. So hopefully uh, share some good knowledge. And, you know, today's topic, we're going to be talking about the cryptocurrency market, something that Andrew's uh, actively been involved in. And, you know, we'll be talking about college, too. So, uh, you know, for those of you that are parents or grandparents that are out there that, you know, maybe have a graduation coming up here in the next couple of weeks or a couple of years down the road, we'll be sharing some strategies and ideas uh, to do that. But also uh, one quick announcement. So in a little bit of an investor alert. So anybody who's been following along over the last couple of months, you know, we've been talking about the incredible opportunity that's offered by the U.S. Treasury Department. Uh, Savings bonds, again, the Series I savings bond directly from the United States Treasury Department. The rates are updated now. So the current savings bond rate from the federal government is 9.62%. So again, anybody who's looking for some safe alternatives to this crazy world in the market, and you're looking for a 9.62%, uh, that's a, a rate backed by the full faith and pledge of the United States government. Uh, you can get that directly at the U.S. Treasury Department. So if anybody needs help on that, just reach out to our office. Uh, we'd be happy to help make sure you take advantage of that 9.62% rate on the savings bonds. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, Andrew, just so you know, we're not going to sing happy birthday later. <laughs> no, we might. We might surprise right, you with that. Ready. So welcome aboard. We're glad to have you on. Reminds me of my days of uh, waiting tables. People are like, oh, it's their birthday. I was like, oh, I don't sing. I don't, I don't <laughs> sing. So uh, I promise you, that's my gift to you. I'm not going to do that. But um, yeah, welcome to the show. Andrew, I know you and your parents, they spent a lot of time getting you prepared for college. So let's talk a bit about ways that our listeners can help their children and grandchildren get ready for, you know, those future college expenses. Well, I would say, you know, from dad, you know, my perspective, really since the time the kids were born, we had started to kind of prepare for the moment of time that's come out. So one of the most popular vehicles that are out there for college savings plans are called a 529 plan. So for those of you who are a parent or a grandparent, that may be something that you'd want to take a look at a 529 plan. What a 529 plan is, it's a plan that's offered and each state has a little bit of a variation on it. In Ohio, the 529 plan is called the College Advantage. And really, when you open up the College Advantage direct plan, you can choose from what's called ready-made age-based portfolios, or you could choose risk-based portfolios, or there are some individual 
investment options you can choose based upon whatever somebody's preferences are, their goals and risk tolerances. Uh, the you know the choices offer um, some benefits tax wise. So if the money's used for higher education expenses, it can be able to pull out uh, and provide some tax benefits for you. And then also here in the state of Ohio. State of Ohio taxpayers can deduct contributions up to $4,000 from their Ohio taxable income uh, per beneficiary per year uh, with unlimited carry-forward contributions. And so I think, Andrew, you were only uh, three weeks old at the time when we opened up that account, and you know we stuck to it and contributed contribute into that account over the years. And, of course, we know for the lion's share of the last 10 or 15 years, the market's been pretty healthy, and it grew to a good balance. One of the things, though, I think that a lot of people don't realize is that at a point when you get to be you know a senior you end up applying for what's called FAFSA so FAFSA is yep. the financial aid scholarship application and you know part of the disclosure is inside of there is talking about any money that you have uh, set aside within a 529 plan so believe it or not the government does some dumb things in my opinion right <laughs> right so here we are right so you've taken a responsible step as a parent or grandparent and put money into a 529 plan and to help one day if that child goes off to higher education. And because of doing that, that actually hurts their FAFSA eligibility for scholarships and grants. So, you know, what's a positive sometimes turns around and can be a negative too. But Scott, I know that uh, you've also got kids in yep. that age range. So what are the type of things that you've been doing? Well, Nolan, as you, when, when my children were born, I started right away putting in and creating the 529 accounts for them. And um, personally, I've got my daughter graduated, as you know, a couple of weeks ago. And um, I can't tell you how important it is to actually prepare for this before you get to that senior in high school moving into college because you want to make sure you have all of that put in place. And you're right, the FAFSA, I mean, it's we had to fill out all of those forms, go through the whole application process and ask all those questions. But I think the 529 plans are really, really awesome. But I will ask you a question, Nolan, on this. What happens, so I have two children, uh, and a lot of people out there have one, two, or many more. What happens if you get a child that has a scholarship offer and maybe even a full ride and you've been putting money aside, what happens to that money? How do you handle situations like that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the definitions of higher education are pretty broad, so it's somewhat flexible. So maybe they don't need to pay for their actual school expenses, but maybe they need to use it for room and board. Sure. Uh, maybe, you know, the books, maybe the computer. There are some flexibilities. You can also change beneficiaries. So in this case, Andrew has a younger brother still in high school. If uh, Andrew didn't use up all the 529 plan, we could, uh, you know, change that. Dad's always wanted to get his pilot license, so maybe <laughs> at some go. point I could do that. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, too, worst case scenario, you ended up cashing out that account. It's still your money. It just ultimately could be a taxable event sure. uh, based upon cashing it out and not using it for college expenses. So, you know, with one of the drawbacks being that that money counts against you when you're using the FAFSA eligibility, you know, what I begin to try to educate people is, are there smarter ways and better options? And again, everybody's situation is unique, but we try to think about the things that are not countable assets, right? So, for example, grandma and grandpa, for those of you grandparents that are listening, you know, you're removed from the FAFSA eligibility. So as long as you didn't put that money into that child's name, they don't have to disclose that money. So, you know, maybe grandma and grandpa want to keep that money set aside, and then they could be more intentional about how they do the gifting and things like that. 
The other things that, you know, parents can consider is a Roth IRA is an example. Now, you know, with a Roth IRA, you had to be, you know, have it open for five years or, you know, be over the age 59 and a half to avoid paying, you know, taxes on the profit. And one of the things, though, about a, a Roth IRA is you can take the money that you contributed out of the Roth IRA at any point. And then if you look at what one of the exemptions to the 10% early withdrawal penalty, higher education is. And in addition to that, a Roth IRA is considered a retirement account. So none of the money that mom and dad have had to be disclosed with inside of a Roth IRA. Right. And we've talked about that with the health insurance, with the, the income based on income. Roth does not count as countable income when it comes to a premium tax credit. You know, you, you asked a question, uh, and we were talking about the 529 and some of the things there. Uh, I'm going to throw this at Andrew here. So one of the things that I remember with my daughter is uh, she had the meal plan. And one of the thing with the meal plan is, you know, you pay twenty three, twenty five hundred bucks, and your student, your child, gets to get money from the cafeteria by swiping a card. Well, I don't know what you did uh, your first year, Andrew, but uh, my daughter never used it. Um, you know, <laughs> she was playing softball; she never used it, and it was always getting that phone call. Dad, can you put a hundred bucks on my account because uh, we were going to Taco Bell, or you know, believe me, I don't want to know half of what they did uh, at school. I'm sure we don't want to know that stuff either, do you, Nolan? But um, do you find that you run into situations where you're not able to run right to the cafeteria, swipe your card? Do you do a lot of spending outside of the school? Yeah, I would definitely say that I did spend a lot outside of the school. Main reason that I ended up spending a lot outside of just the school plan is the amount of food options. It was mainly eating Panda Express every day or <laughs> the dining hall's food wasn't the greatest for the day. So then I'd end up going and buying something with DoorDash or somewhere off campus where sure. it would just was better food. And, you know, that's what my daughter said all the time, too. You know, so one of the things I guess I would tell the, the parents and the grandparents, it's one thing to put money into a 529 plan and, you know, to pay for the higher education. There's a lot of little bitty auxiliary uh, expenses that come up. Um, you know, that first year you're living on campus and you've got your room and board, you've got your books, you've got um, you know a new computer, you may need a new computer, things like that. All of these are things that are part of the education process, right? But then there's a lot of things in that second year, and this is what I really found with my daughter. Her second year, she moved off campus into an apartment, and then her final two years, she actually rented a house with uh, uh, three other uh, girls, and you had your utility bills you had your cable for you know the internet and um a lot of those things are not covered under any assistance that you would get you know through school if you get any kind of a, a grant or anything like that so these are all things that you are going to incur on your own it's nice to put that money away in, in whether it's in a roth or whether it's in a 529 but you can use it for all of that type of stuff yeah, definitely have some flexibility on, on different choices. And the third choice, if you're looking, again, planning ahead, you know, one of the other things that is uh, a missed opportunity sometimes is what I would consider cash value life insurance. So, again, uh, you know, one of the things that I did for Andrew when he was about six years old is we had made a one-time deposit into a cash value life insurance policy. Sure. And, you know, what that policy did is allowed him to participate when the stock market went up but it was protected against loss when the market went down. And so now, you know, flash forward again, 
12, 13 years later, that policy has grown, obviously, to a substantial amount. The other thing that I like doing that is, you know, what I did is I, I protected his future insurability. Absolutely. I mean, I remember as a young kid, my wife and I, you know, we've been together since she was 14. So, you know, early on in college, we were together, got married, then started our family. I know as a young child, uh, as a young adult, I should say, that, you know, I didn't have money for things like, you know, life insurance when I was a young kid. But having that put in place for him, you know, not only, again, was a way to set aside money that didn't have to be disclosed on the FAFSA form, but also if he chose to keep that at some point down the road, hopefully a long time down the road, if he, you know, (laughs) gets married, starts his own family, then he already has the insurance that's taken care of and paid for if he doesn't cash that out and use that. Uh, So we've also had a lot of clients that have looked into that solution, too, uh, as another good alternative. Now, one thing, Nolan, one thing that that does is, you purchase that, it's called a cost of insurance. And cost of insurance on someone, you know, a year or less old versus someone that's 25, 30 years old, totally different. So what that allowed you to do is that that one-time deposit you made, the cash value started working immediately because the cost of the life insurance was so low on, on someone that age. Yeah, so you have a lot of the cash was going to work in the investment component. Exactly. Absolutely right. And so now let's, uh, that's, you know, some of the long-term planning. So again, if you, you have young grandchildren or young children, there's things that we can help with and solutions and ideas that we can set in place for you. But then let's fast forward, maybe talk a little bit more about those of you that are like, oh my gosh, my kid's graduating next week <laughs> and they're going to college, right? So what I would refer to that is late late-stage college planning. So for those of you that are listening that are falling into that bucket of late-stage college planning, again, the first thing we need to do is go back to looking at what the FAFSA eligibility is. So again, when you're filling out the FAFSA form, there's going to be certain assets that you need to disclose uh, and certain assets that are not required to be disclosed. So what you can do is, first of all, you want to calculate your family's expected contribution, You want to identify any financial cost reduction strategies. Also identify scholarships. Um, There's a lot of different scholarships that are available out there. And then before you complete the FAFSA eligibility, I think it's important to talk with somebody who's, you know, a college planning specialist. So here at our office, Jeff Boron is somebody that we have a relationship with that just really specializes in uh, late stage college planning. Um, He is a certified college planner, and uh, this is an area where he can kind of help guide people through and talk about ways to kind of reposition assets from your left pocket to your right pocket. Uh, We have a client and her daughter was getting ready to go to college. She had saved up a pretty substantial amount of money in her checking and savings account that she was gonna use to pay for the college expenses. It makes perfect sense, but again, by her saving that money in checking and savings, she had to fully disclose 100% of that money, and then the money was used against the eligibility for the child to be able to get scholarships and grants. But what we did is we took and we repositioned that money into cash value life insurance. And we picked a what's called a liquid life insurance policy. Again, so it's something that she was able to get access to and has some liquidity. Of course, you you got to understand all the ins and outs of whatever policy that you have and taxes. But in this case, we chose a policy that was very liquid. But by doing that, she now 
did not have to disclose any of that money and ended up making her daughter to be uh, much more eligible for those opportunities to get scholarships and grants. And then something else I think Andrew and I, you know, that we've talked about. So when I graduated from Bryan, Ohio, I went and I joined the Marine Corps and I served in the reserves and I got the Montgomery GI Bill. And at that point, I think, you know, I would say that the Montgomery GI Bill roughly paid for about 60% of our higher education expenses. And I know Andrew, you know, you and I have looked at some different opportunities. Maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what you learned from military service. Well, I was looking to join the Air National Guard at the 180th here in Toledo. And just one of the things with the Air Guard is they have a lot of benefits with paying for your college. You get your GI Bill and you get a lot of experience as well outside <laughs> of just serving. You get to go on all these deployments around the world and around the United States to get a lot of this experience. And those were all benefits that would benefit me for my college. Like I said, it paid for your college. And then I ended up not going to join mainly from the current leadership and world conflicts as I thought it'd be more beneficial for me to just stay here in the United States and attend college. Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. I, I could see some concerns with our current leadership, too. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, yeah. That, maybe that would make sense. But, you know, again, uh, military service, I think service to our country is something that, as a veteran-owned business, it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, we've got some wonderful men and women serving our country. So, first of all, thank you for those of you who do serve. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you can, if you have a, a child that's interested in that, whether it's the 180th, uh, the Marine Corps Reserves, there's a great opportunity to do some stuff. Uh, I was an electrician in the Marine Corps, so I, I always knew that I wanted to be a financial advisor. But, you know, by being an electrician, got me some, you know, a little bit of trade to be able to fix things around the house and kind of like Tim the Tool Man some days, if you will. <laughs> the other area I think that was interesting is for small business owners. So if you're a small business owner, pay attention to this one. So if we look at it, you know, I've been blessed in the fact that our business has been very successful here at America's Retirement Headquarters and, and has grown. And so, you know, my tax bracket is pretty darn high. It could get worse, obviously, in the future. But you know, I still look at it as my personal tax bracket's high. What I was able to do is actually able to hire Andrew and come into the business, and he was able to work here. I was able to give him money, and then what mom and dad did is we allowed him to use some of that money for his allowance and his fund money, and then we took a large chunk of that money and set it aside in what we identified as his college account. Now, then he was able to file his own taxes, and because of how we structured the amount of hours he was going to work and what his pay was, basically, you know, almost virtually wiped out the tax bill on that. So instead of losing half of the money by Mm -hmm. it going into my pocket and me paying taxes and putting it into the savings account, I was able to put him on payroll, redirect that fund to him, and really eliminate that 50% tax. So small business owners, you know, there's some strategies that we can talk about in your situation that makes sense. Now, what ended up working out is here Andrew is three years later, right? Right. Absolutely. So, you know, he found a love for this business, which I'm super blessed as dad to have somebody follow in my footsteps. And, you know, at Bowling Green State University, majoring in business and finance. So it's going to be some fun years to go. But uh, again, that ended up being some great tax benefits along the way, too. So a lot of different things. And the final point that I would say is we're 
talking about college is make sure that you match up your child with the right college, not only from a career standpoint, but also what is offered from scholarships and grants. Right. Because, you know, different schools have different scholarships and grants based upon what, you know, people are looking at. I know when we uh, went around and, you know, we did the campus tours, you know, a lot of what we were looking at is like, do we like the environment? Do we like the schools? Do we like, you know, the area? Things like that. But don't forget to consider, you know, how much money that college has to offer for the career path of that child. That can make a huge difference as well. You know, there is, a, well, that's one of the things that I found as well. You have to do a little bit of digging, but there is a lot of money available out there for um, students coming into college. Uh, there's grants, there's different scholarships uh, available, and a lot of people don't even know about those. And unless you actually do your due diligence and look and, and try to find what's available, you're not going to. You know, one thing, Nolan, you mentioned was uh, late-stage planning. So my daughter's graduated, and she's uh, applying for some jobs, and she's looking to, to move out of town. And she's very fortunate because she's looking to go to North Carolina, and... Um, she's going to have some moving expenses and she was fortunate enough that grandma is um going to help out what she's done with her other uh, grandkids and uh you know make a small contribution or donation to her i should say for helping with um some moving and and she can use that money for whatever she needs but she's going to put it towards maybe paying off some debt or getting her through this stage until she actually gets that job and moves to North Carolina. So, you know, it's never too late. And uh, like you said, a grandparent uh, wanting to help out, there's several ways to do so. I can't say enough. Make sure that you do your due diligence and find out what resources are available. As uh, Nolan said earlier, you know, it's never too early. He started uh, planning, uh, you know, three weeks old uh, for Andrew. Uh, So it's never really too early, never really too late. There are obviously more options available to you in the earlier stages, but uh, to know the ins and outs and make sure it's as efficient as possible. You know, maybe sit down, speak with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, figure out how to plan for your child or your grandchild's uh, college education and how to fund that. Real simple, 419-794-3030 is the number, 419-794-3030, or you can go online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. I want to talk with the birthday boy for a little bit here. Uh, Cryptocurrency has been volatile, uh, as volatile as a stock market these days. As a matter of fact, if you bought $100 worth of Bitcoin six months ago, it's worth about half now. And some of the other uh, cryptocurrencies have fared much worse. Luna uh, is now worth fractions of a cent as of of last Friday. Does this present an opportunity uh, to insert into a retirement plan or is this part of the financial world still too risky? You know, Andrew, your dad has talked many times about you being actively involved in cryptocurrency. So really quick, let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing and your involvement with that. So what I do is I don't go more on the trading aspect of cryptocurrency. I'm more on the side of I build supercomputers that solve algorithms and are the ones that processes the transactions mm-hmm. of everyone sending cryptocurrency and I get rewarded in it, rewarded for it daily. And that's two different complete sides of how to get involved with crypto. I would say if you're looking to get involved with crypto, the easiest way would definitely be trading. If you go on exchanges like Coinbase or Binance, those are the ones in the U.S. that are the most popular where that's where you can go in and you can buy Bitcoin, you can buy Ethereum, you can buy Dogecoin. And that is, I would say, the most easy way to get involved. Then there is the other side of the more technical, the more advanced side of, say, mining cryptocurrency where mm-hmm. that's where you build a computer that has higher end components where it's running those algorithms to solve and process transactions that you then get rewarded for. 
So again, it, it's something that's it's a whole new category, something that it's only really been in, in the, the spotlight for the past couple of years. How would listeners get involved? And, and like I mentioned, you know, one of them just went essentially belly up last week, kind of the same sort of thing like you might see in the market. Uh, how can people get involved? And, and what are some ideas on how to, you know, avoid a possible bust getting in if you are trading and finding out that it's uh, you made a giant mistake? I mean, I guess the one main thing my dad's always told me is you can't really lose money unless you sell so it's kind of going to be the same thing with crypto. Crypto always goes up and down, just like the stock market. Mm -hmm. So as long as you don't sell the cryptocurrency, you're not going to lose the money unless you sell it. So what I do is I'm don't I'm not like I said I'm not actively trading. I mainly just hold it for mm -hmm. the long run. So I'm looking at it for five, ten years down the road, where I'm expecting it to go up in value, where I can then cash out in a later time for much more than what I have now. So let me ask any of you, if you want to chime in, is this one of those situations where obviously this isn't when we talk about, you know, you're going to need money for the, the immediacy, especially if you're using this towards retirement, if you're approaching retirement. Uh, Andrew, I, I dare say you're probably not thinking about retirement right now, but for listeners out there yeah, who might not. be wanting to get involved, this isn't something that they should plan to use in the next couple of years, but maybe down the line, if, if they can use this as a hold in the accumulation sort of vehicle, uh, this is what this is probably more catered towards and not the entirety of their retirement plan. Is that a safe assessment? Yeah, you know, obviously, I think the whole crypto environment can be somewhat speculative, but there are also can be other options and alternatives to take a look at and kind of walk you through those. But again, if you think about it, your opening statement was talking about how, you know, the, the cryptocurrency, like the stock market, really topped out about six months ago back in November. Bitcoin hit an all-time high of 68990 and, you know, back then you heard people making predictions about it going to $100,000. So at that point was, you know, ultimately like most investors where they make the poor decision and they get in when things are at an all-time high with this expectation that it's going to keep going up. But it actually it works a lot like the stock market, you know. So now the price as of May 18th, uh, Bitcoin trades at 28998 So again, if we think about investing, again, if this is a category that you're listening to and it's something that has been of interest to you, you know, I'd much rather look at buying opportunities at the, you know, 29 thousand range versus buying at the sixty nine thousand dollar range again when it comes to investing you think of the philosophies you buy low you sell high when you know andrew was talking about you know some of the principles that i've tried to teach him over the years as far as like in the stock market you don't lose until you sell but you also in the crypto mining you've also had to be careful about some of these uh, fly-by-night you know type coins that come out because there are you know almost on a weekly or monthly basis new type of coin offering so Definitely. you know something that i would tell listeners is to look at some of the the major ones that are out there if you're going to consider those like the bitcoin or ethereum or you know some of the larger more established ones that are out there and i guess you know i would throw it back to you maybe for a question andrew is you know there's probably maybe only five percent of the population that actually even understand cryptocurrency so it's one of those things that's still you know the infancy and i know uh, you and i went up to ann arbor and had met with a group last friday because even i wanted to understand more, even though it's something that, you know, we've been involved with, with your mining rig for a while, but looking at getting more involved with it personally, but I wanted to meet some other people. So maybe just for a split second, why don't you explain to the listeners what cryptocurrency actually is? So cryptocurrency is like a digital solution to be able to transfer money to one person to another through computer networks. Hence the mining, that's where the computers are solving and processing the transactions of everyone sending their crypto. 
And the other thing with it as well is it doesn't have a central authority. So there's no bank or government that is controlling crypto. It's all um, decentralized. And just an example, Bitcoin was the one, the first cryptocurrency, and that started in 2009. And that is still the largest cryptocurrency that is available in the market right now. Yeah, so when you talk about it, again, you can in invest in the, the example of you know, the Bitcoin like he's talking about, some of these other cryptocurrencies that are out there. Again, the other thing that you can do is you can do the, the mining solution, which is you know something that Andrew's doing. So your your supercomputer is essentially acting as what I would refer to as the bank. It's you know solving those algorithms and processing the transactions. And so how much revenue does that produce for you? So it really depends on how much money you invest in the crypto mining. The main component in building the supercomputers are the graphics cards. Those are at high demand and little supply. So it really depends on which cards you're able to get. Right now, the amount of graphics cards we have running, we're making about $35 a day in rewards and we're spending about $6 in electricity. So we're netting around I would say on average between the day everything goes up and down in price, twenty-five to up to thirty dollars a day in net profit. Yeah, so you know, think twenty-five dollars a day for uh, being yeah. nineteen years old times that by, you know, thirty days in a month. That's seven hundred and fifty dollars for something that's working twenty-four hours a day. Right? It just literally sits in our basement and uh, processes this transactions too. So you know, for those of you that are out there listening, you know, maybe you've thought a little bit about crypto. Maybe it's something your current advisor hasn't talked to you about. You know, again, it, it I would consider it to be more speculative. So it. If it wanted to be part of your retirement or investment plan, there are some ways that we can help you get involved in this. First and foremost, there are what is called ETFs, exchange traded funds. So, you know, one of the drawbacks about uh, crypto is, as you know, Andrew pointed out, it's currently unregulated. So, you know, it's almost like a little bit of the wild, wild west. So, you've got to be a little bit careful in what you do from an investor standpoint. You know, that's where you don't just you know, listen to advice on a Facebook ad that you saw or social media. You want to do your due diligence and make sure that you have some things that uh, have a little bit more protection. So, the ETFs are exchange traded funds, and the exchange traded funds are um, a way to get some type of exposure into this category. And these are investments that you can buy from a custodian like a Fidelity, a Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade. You know, so you have it held in an account, and then it's you know much more transparent and much more, in my opinion, protected. You know, from uh, what could happen in the unregulated market space. The second thing, I think in, it's also something that Andrew uh, has been involved in and I've been involved in, and it's also in part of our portfolios, is looking at some of the companies that are building the equipment. So Andrew talked a little bit about how graphic cards are the major component of his supercomputer, and there's such a high demand for these graphic cards. Um, you know, these companies that are the graphic card makers um, there's some of them that we look at that have billions of dollars of cash, have great net income, you know, positive revenue. And that doesn't mean they're not subject to the wild ride in the stock market like we've seen. But these are companies that are benefiting. So uh, tell us a couple of stories about uh, you, Andrew, and trying to get graphics cards. Well, like I had said, it's uh, in very short supply and very high demand to be able to get these graphics cards. And multiple times throughout my school year this last um i would say last winter um, 
I had actually stayed outside of a Best Buy for <laughs> eight hours and 14 hours just to be able to get one to two cards along with probably 100 to 200 other people that are waiting in the line as well. That's just what we had to do to be able to get these cards because they're in such short demand on supply. I think you made a good event out of it, though. Didn't you have, like, a grill and you guys barbecued? <laughs> you had a TV out there and... We did, yeah. We had a lot of fun activities there, and a lot of other people that were camping out there came over, and we all hung out. Yeah, some of the good people that we got to meet uh, actually last Friday when we went up to Ann Arbor. That uh, that's where we originally had met those people. So there are, you know, also other companies. Again, if you think about the stock market, if if you go back to supply and demand, there's still a huge demand right now for these companies that are making the graphic cards, and these are publicly traded companies, meaning that they're stocks that you can make an investment in these companies. And again, right now with the market volatility, in my opinion, there's been some great opportunities with the market to be able to buy some of these opportunities right now. There's also what's called the blockchain companies. Again, if you don't want to go out and do the supercomputer, there's companies out there that you can invest into that are publicly traded that you know do the blockchain technology that he was talking about that we have. Uh, there's also the, the server storage. Uh, so if you don't uh, or, or you want to go into having a big operation, a big space, you need to put these supercomputers somewhere. So there's publicly traded companies that are server storage companies, and uh, these places are, you know, companies that you can invest into, uh, whether you invest into the stock, there's what's called real estate investment trusts that own infrastructure type companies that are out there. Uh, the next area of opportunity to take a look at from an investor standpoint are the companies that are the holders of the accounts and, uh, you know, where the exchanges are. So, Andrew, I think, um, again, there's a couple of different ones that are out there, but one of the ones that you use is Coinbase. Uh, so, you know, Coinbase, what it does is it facilitates the exchange. So, again, what you can do is you link it to your bank account, you can make a deposit, and then you can go on there and you could purchase whatever cryptocurrency that you want and you can use that as an exchange so again you, you think of like charles schwab fidelity td ameritrade these are exchanges you know schwab is a great exchange to buy and sell stocks from there's a uh, companies and some of these companies are publicly traded now that allow you to invest in them and then they make a little bit of money from the buying and selling and the spread uh, some of these companies have again some of the criteria that we were talking about before Billions of dollars of cash, rising revenue, you know, good net income. These are things that we've already kind of taken a look at. So good things that are out there, good companies, good options. You've got, again, from you as an investor standpoint, if this is an area that, you know, is something that's perked your interest while prices are really dramatically low, it's worth a conversation, and that's what we're here for. And it is a solution that we can help you with and uh, talk about if it makes sense to have it as part of your portfolio. And if so, what does that look like? Definitely an area I feel very comfortable giving you some advice on. If you do have questions about uh, cryptocurrency, as Nolan pointed out, and how that could play into your investment portfolio, and it's perfectly okay to have these questions, real easy to get in touch. Give a call to the number 419-794-3030, 419-794-3030, or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. It's not just cryptocurrency. The stock market also seeing a lot of losses lately. Financial author Gary Kotbaum tells Fox Business, it is the tech sector. Well, they're the ones that are pulling everything down. Everything I'm seeing right now continues to state bear market. And as I put in my reports, and these numbers are stunning, 50% uh, of NASDAQ stocks 
are down 50%. 22% of them are down 75%. So I'm worried there's more to go. You just take a step back, let it go through the process. It just looks like to me uh, we're not uh, done yet. So there it is again. Hang in there. It'll come back. Now, statistically, that is normally true. That may be the case. But why is that message not very comforting for people that are on the verge of or even in retirement? can imagine it's not comforting, I think, for anybody. I mean, even Andrew is a, a young guy saving and investing for the future. Um, you know, in his case, it doesn't feel good probably when the market goes down either. But in, the reality is, is, you know, each and every month by participating in the 401k plan, he just gets to get more shares as the price is lower. And so those, you know, returns for long-term investors and short-term market movements don't matter a whole lot. But, you know, the, the, the challenge is, is as you get to retirement time, you don't have the luxury of time to make up for those right. mistakes. So there's just not enough time. You know, uh, Andrew's 19 now and I'm 60. I don't have that time that he has to hang around and see what's going to happen. You know, if I'm contemplating retirement here in another three to five years, um, I'm, I'm concerned about it. Like you said, Nolan, it doesn't matter whether you're 19 years old or 65 years old. Everybody's concerned right now. Yeah, you know, I think being a financial advisor for the past 28 years, it's time like this that, you know, is where I really try to earn my paycheck. Because, Absolutely. you know, this is the time where it's it's a good idea to have a conversation. The first thing is, is I don't want you to make an emotional decision. So take a deep breath, right? Don't make a mistake. The markets on average have pullbacks, Right. Maybe every four years you see a 20% pullback. Every typically year you see, you know, some type of 10 or uh, so type pullback. So we're in kind of the range of returns. So the, the million dollar question is, is again, is more bad news coming? So kind of like that clip that they were talking about, you know, what does the future hold and how much volatility can you take? So as Andrew pointed out in cryptocurrency, you don't actually lose until you sell. Right. So the first thing is, is take a look at your risk profile. You know, it wouldn't be surprising that more people would be answering questions of much more risk adverse today than what they would have answered a year ago, right? When the economies and the markets are doing well. But, you know, really try to take a look at what your risk profile is and then evaluate where your portfolio is in comparison to that. Then, you know, what I would tell people to do is I would tell people to make changes by taking steps. So not making dramatic moves. So we have an investment committee meeting uh, each and every month. And uh, in our investment committee meeting that we did this week, I mean, we spent pretty much the entire day talking about the things that we own, why we own what we own, what's inside of the portfolio, and looking at making changes. What's interesting about this year is it's not only stocks that are down, but bonds and really almost the majority of asset classes are down so far this year. And a lot of times, if you think about it, we, we talk about diversification. Usually stocks go down, bonds go up and vice versa. You know, this year you don't see that. In addition to this year, if we look at uh, the term standard deviation, and again, I, I'm a numbers nerd. It's just, you know, the business that I'm in. But if we think about the standard deviation in like a general bond fund is maybe normally four. That means it could move up or down 4%. You know, what we've seen this year is like the standard deviation, even in some bond funds, is at, uh, you know, a three standard deviation, meaning that they're moving at 10 or 12%. You know, so bond funds are under deep pressure because of rising interest rates and the Fed's policy and what the outcome's going to be on that. 
in my opinion, you know, equities have historically bounced back faster than, say, bonds do. So, you know, one of the things is there may be better options for bond funds that are out there. After you get your, your portfolio analyzed for risk and take a look and see where it lines up, again, what you want to do is you want to go in and selectively pick out where maybe some of the higher risk areas are, looking for ways to kind of reduce risk. There are, uh, in addition, there's what's called tactical parts of the portfolio. Uh, we incorporate some tactical strategies overall in a portfolio. And so what tactical does is tactical would uh, – when technical indicators turn negative, actually take you uh, out of the market, it could move you into uh, things like cash. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were working with a gentleman uh, just earlier this week, and we were looking at his 401k. And, you know, since April, our technical indicators have been giving him some guidance to say, hey, for 40% of your money right now, let's just park it on the sidelines. So if you don't have circuit breakers, you don't have safety nets in place, and heck, you're not hearing from your advisor and you, you just don't know what the plan is, uh, I'd love to have a conversation and our team uh, would be more than happy to kind of share some knowledge with you. Uh, absolutely, if you're listening and you're a client of ours and you know you, you feel a little bit of a concern, pick up the phone. We've got dedicated time and advisors available to talk to you. But even if you're not a client of the firm, if you're just a listener to the show and you need to talk, uh, we're here to listen and you know, we can kind of help you get through this. The other thing that we've been doing, Scott, is we've been going on the offensive, right? Mm -hmm. For years, what we've been talking about is we've been talking about uh, how tax rates could go up in the future. So for those of you that are listening that own like a 401k, a 457, a 403b, or a traditional IRA account, you know, what you're doing is you're deferring your taxes to later on in the future. And you're saying at some point in the future, I'll pay taxes. And of course, at, at 72 is when you have the required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can't choose to pay some taxes now. So if you have some great stocks that you love that just so happen to get abused by this market recently, and if they're down 20, 30, 40, 50%, now from a tactical standpoint, could be an incredible opportunity for you to take and convert that money from a traditional retirement account, pay taxes, while that stock price is lower, mm -hmm. effectively paying taxes on half the value, saving 50% in taxes, convert it over to the Roth IRA. Now, again, if you follow the rules of a Roth IRA in five years till 59 and a half before you access your profits, all those profits, if that stock comes back, right. all those profits are now tax-free. Sure. But by doing nothing and not looking at it, and that stock comes back in price, now your tax bill just went back up. Exactly. So tactical Roth conversions is a great opportunity right now. So again, for those of you that are out there that are worried about the, the losses in the market, you know, when is the end coming? That's a, a common question. Short term, that's something that you and I and nobody has control over. I mean, if you look at the news, anybody's willing to give you a prediction. You know, I would say that what I have seen is the, the market has been absolutely abused. Uh, I'm not saying the that end is here yet. What I'm saying is it is an opportunity where you have some buying opportunities. So like, you know, for myself personally, you know, with my cash, I started to put a little bit of my cash to work. 
Uh, but I've saved some cash back. So if things get worse, I'll put some more cash to work. So it's kind of called dollar cost averaging. So you dollar cost average into this type of environment. Just the same as risk reduction, you don't just bail out of the market and take losses and wait till things get better. That's a poor strategy to have. So this is the environment where you need some guidance. And again, you know, we're here to talk to, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes doing nothing is okay. You know, yeah. people, I think in this environment, you know, they want to change their investments because they feel like they're out of control, right? Because right? I can't control the stock market, right? Even Washington doesn't right, control exactly. stock. There's nobody that controls the stock market. So investors want to change because they feel if they change, they're putting themselves back in control. Yeah, they're doing something and, and doing something to them. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, buying a car or, or you know, you, you negotiate a price and if you get $50 off, you feel like you won because you negotiated and they gave you something. You know, Nolan, I, I met with a client a couple of days ago and um, she says, you know, I've uh, been a, a pretty aggressive investor over the years, but now that I'm 65, I'm kind of backing off of that. So when somebody comes to you and says, um, you know, I like to think that I'm an aggressive uh, investor and then the market starts to go crazy like it is right now, how can they sit there and really complain about it? Because they told you, this is my habits. I like to be aggressive because I, I can afford to do so, but something's going to happen. I want to move to the sidelines or something like that. I mean, you're either aggressive or you're not. I mean, that's got to, you got to run into that a lot. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into that, right? So the word aggressive may mean something very different for me as right. to you as to, you know, maybe a 70-year-old, right? That definition of aggressive uh, is is a challenge. And it's not until we have an environment like this that right. you really learn that that definition of aggressive means two different things. So <laughs> right. that's why, again, I think the software that I love that we use at our firm called Riskalyze is a way that an investor can go through and it's almost like an eye doctor so it asks you do you like this investment better or this investment sure this investment or that investment this investment or that investment and then really it's trying to get you to that 2020 clarity that says what you really are as an investor and in using that risk score again it measures anywhere from zero to 100 to figure out what your risk score is so I just had gone through this exercise recently uh, with somebody this week, and with this gentleman, the, the way he came back and answered his risk score was uh, at an 87. So again, zero is put all your money in the bank, no risk, 100 is probably Ando's cryptocurrency, right? Ultra high risk. Right. So he's close to, he's just a couple of years out from retirement time, and he's a risk score of 87. So you know what that did is that gave me an opportunity to have a conversation that says, really, you know, are you an 87? If your money doubles, what would you be doing differently in life, right? Okay. If your money gets cut in half, what does that mean for your retirement? Sure. You know, obviously, you'd have to work longer. Mm -hmm. So we had a conversation, and um, I think about like an 87. I, I oftentimes, Chaz at our office describes it very well. It's kind of like uh, how fast your car is going. So at 87 miles an hour, if you get into an accident, it can be a deadly accident. Sure. An investor going 87 miles an hour, if the market crashes, it's very painful. But, you know, what's interesting is with some of the solutions against some of the solutions that we offer, I, I look at it like a gas pedal. When everything technically looks good and, you know, we say all systems are go, we're pushing that gas pedal down to sure. an 87 that says when things technically look good, 
here's the recommendations on how to invest your 401k to try to be the most aggressive. At the same time, you know, when conditions deteriorate like they have been over the last several months, we're backing off and, you know, we can bring them back down to like a 35, 40 miles an hour. Sure. So again, at 35, 40 miles an hour, if you get into an accident, is it, uh, is it bad? Yes, every accident's bad, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a deadly accident at, at 35 or 40. And, you know, the, the nice thing was is he didn't realize that he, he could be in the aggressive category, but he didn't have to be aggressive all the time. Right. He had the ability to be somewhat adaptive to the market conditions, uh, utilizing some of the approaches that you know we put in place and you know gave him some guidance on. So uh, we do give advice on 401ks. So if you have a 401k, uh, a lot of times I hear people say, "Well, you know, I got my 10 minutes at the lunch so once a year that the guy came in and gave the overview and." Or I just picked these because they looked like they were doing good. If you have a 401k, um, what we can do is we can give you guidance on your 401k plan uh, and kind of lean over your shoulder and help you figure out maybe what would be the moves to make. Again, just like this example of the gentleman who didn't know those options were available, we were able to kind of show him what those choices are too. So uh, a lot of things can be done in, in those situations. Then it's also a matter of figuring out the time frame. Uh, so one of the things that we've created is called our independent income system. Within our independent income system, it's our methodology, philosophy, and belief of how to put investments together for somebody that is close to or in retirement time. You know, somebody like Andrew's age, if the market is uh, volatile, it doesn't really matter so much. No. Again, I, like I said, it doesn't feel good. But it's not that big a deal if you don't need the money right now. The same would be true for a retiree, actually. Mm -hmm. so, so if a retiree had money set aside to cover their living expenses for, say, the next five or ten years, and their stock market money they didn't need for ten-plus years down the road, mm -hmm. then what's happening right now, it's not really a panic situation. Right. It becomes an opportunity situation. And again, history has proven the people who don't panic but look for opportunities are usually the ones that get most rewarded. Know that it's not an all or nothing situation when it comes to your retirement. You don't need all of your money in the market. You don't need to think of all of your money as money you're going to need for the next five years, the next 10 years in retirement. You can compartmentalize it. You need to have a proper strategy put in place. And that is something that the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they pride themselves on. They've been helping people get to and through retirement combined, what is it, uh, 40, 50 plus years of, of combined industry experience at this point, Nolan? Yeah, I mean, if you look at our entire team that we have here, you know, between all of the advisors, we've got, you know, 100 plus years of experience and, okay. you know, multiple professional designations and college degrees. We're here for you. Absolutely. And again, I want to echo what uh, Nolan said. If you are nervous about how the market has been performing lately and your advisor or your, your financial planner has been kind of absent or hard to get in touch with, America's Retirement Headquarters, real easy to get in touch with. Pick up the phone, give a call, 419-794-3030. Whether you want a second set of eyes on your plan, whether you want to create your plan, uh, whether you have questions about crypto or anything that, that we did or didn't talk about on this week's show as it pertains to your retirement, 419-794-3030. Always available online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. I want to thank you for spending part of your day with us uh, here on America's Retirement Headquarters. Please uh, have a great week ahead of you. Uh, Andrew, one more time, happy birthday to you. And guys, as we wrap up, uh, I want to leave you with the final word. Well, I want to thank Andrew for joining us today. Um, Nolan, a uh, great show, a lot of information. 
if you uh, uh, are a grandparent and you've got a um, grandchild headed off to college, prepare now. And uh, don't worry if you don't prepare now, you have an opportunity later to prepare. Yeah, have a great week, everybody. Again, you know, we're here for you. If you've been listening for a long time uh, and you're worried about the markets, you want to learn about crypto, or if you have somebody that's going to be going to college sometime down the road, pick up the phone, give us a call. We'd love to talk. And until we meet again, stop over to our YouTube channel. Again, type in America's Retirement Headquarters. Lots of great resources to help arm you in today's environment. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussion not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.